Welcome to the Metal Hammer Podcast, episode 104. What a prestigious number. Um, I'm Mel, and I'm joined <laughs> to my left by the lady on the pink microphone, Miss Eleanor Goodman. How are you? Rolling my eyes. Specifically asked for the pink microphone, because it, it's fucking pink, I'll tell you that. It's so <laughs> the pink. The pinkest thing I've ever seen. It's great. Um, I mean, this is radio format, so I don't know why I'm describing that to everyone. Sorry, but trust me, it is pink. And to my right, on the orange microphone, Miss Alice Patillo. How are you, Alice? I'm okay. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for asking, Al, out of everyone. Uh, it's been a very, very busy week. I was away uh, last week. Um, I'll talk about that in a little bit, doing some bits and bobs in ye olde Norway. Uh, there's been loads going on all over the place, though. Um, I don't even know where to start. How about we'll start with you, Al? You went to see Lindemann. I don't know where to start. In London. I don't know where to and start. And I didn't want to watch too much of your um, uh, Instagram story because I didn't want to ruin it for you describing it, but I couldn't help myself because it looked fucking crazy. I don't know where to start. I should say, well, to start, I should say that it was a really good bill. So it's a Sunday night at the Forum in London, which is in North London, and it was three bands. I hope we're going to say something. No, go. <laughs> about 2,000 capacity or thereabouts. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there was Jadu, Aesthetic Perfection, and Lindemann. And I didn't know anything about the two support acts. I was going to say, I've literally never heard of those bands. Literally never heard of those bands, but I saw the posters for them, and both posters look cool. And without listening to them, because I didn't have a chance to before I left, I was like, they look cool. So I'm in. I'm in for the whole show. So. First of all, Jadu, I'm not sure if it's Jadu or Jadu, but um, she is a female artist and she had a band with her. I so. know what I forgot. By the latest issue of Mount Hammer. Carry on, now. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it felt weird going straight into the gigs and I couldn't work out why. It's the 80s issue. It's the 80s issue. Sorry, as you were, go on. <laughs> yeah, so. You all know the drill. They came on and it sort of looked very. Uh, militaristic and german i was sort of getting vibes of like weimar cabaret uh world war nazis that kind of like industrial aesthetic thing because all the band members were in uniforms uh jadu was in a latex outfit and a couple of them had like the military hats on stop it merlin i just did you see what i just spilled that water everywhere yeah but now you're just flapping around like an angry bird. Yeah, because I spilled my whole glass of water over in the corner and I was trying to keep it like so that you couldn't tell on air. And then the water started actually creeping towards this massive fucking wire that's going in the middle of the studio. Anyway, <laughs> and they, also, died. they also had a uniform on the side of the stage, like on a pole, like being like this uniform just kind of displayed. And then she started singing and yeah it was kind of this they call themselves military dream pop i've since discovered and it's kind of this dark gothic rock music with a moody vibe that feels like you're in a sort of secret cabaret club with fetishistic militaristic overtones and there's definitely something i was like there's something happening here to do with nazis but i don't know what and apparently <laughs> apparently in an interview i google translated might not be accurate uh, they have a song about the relationship between Eva Braun and Adolf Hitler. So that's the wow. thing. So there's obviously a lot going on there. There's sort of fetish, subversion, using the history to kind of intertwine with the music, drawing on all those aesthetics. Um, and it was, I enjoyed it. It was kind of a cool 
vibe. It was. I mean, it sounds right up the the alley of a Linda, Linda Minkie. <laughs> yeah, totally. It felt like quite intimate, even though it was on a stage, and it felt like you were watching something that was sort of a bit secret and a bit underground and a bit dark. And she had a megaphone as well at one point, and she had this bit where she just got a drum and kind of had it strapped to herself and was drumming on that. So, yeah, I mean, sort of like a bit torture garden, you know, a bit kind of torture garden slash German fetish slash industrial club sort of thing going on. So, yeah, it really suited the audience. I think everyone was really into it. Uh Um, So that was cool. And then Aesthetic Perfection, I hadn't heard of either. They came on like very industrial, but like with a lot of 80s pop influences. The second song kind of sounded a bit like an industrial Pet Shop Boys. And there was a song that sounded like it had the bit um, from Head Like a Hole in it, like the main okay. uh, bit from Night Chanel's Head from a Hole. Um, and then they said they're from LA. Um, so that was kind of added to sort of that vibe and made me think of Three Teeth, but they were sort of a bit more workmanlike than Three Teeth. Three Teeth do the sort of gothic weird again sort of gothic weird fetish type thing whereas they were more kind of straight up and more 80s and the singer looked like he should be in an 80s pop band like I don't know Duran Duran or something and he had like a hat and a small like white 80s jacket and this stage guy came on and like pulled his little jacket off at one point but it looked like it was all very very staged and orchestrated to happen at that time and the drummer had face paint on and I thought he looked familiar so I googled him and he's actually Joe Letts who used to be in Combi Christ and has drummed for Emigrate as well which is Richard Crusp's right, band okay. so there's definitely a connection I was going to say fair there. play that you've, you've, you've spotted the drummer from Combi Christ there because that <laughs> is not a connection I'd have made off the top of my head well Joe Letts is a pretty like famous drummer in that like dark right, kind okay. of world which is so, not my scene hence my ignorance I must say. Um, but yeah having drummed for Emigrate you could see why probably the connection came about with playing a Lindemann show because Emigrate is Richard Crisp's band yeah and so yeah they kind of had a very sort of um, machine like drumming thing going on with some synths some distorted guitars and then these kind of shouted uh, vocals over the top so yeah basically like 80s industrial mixed with a bit of like pop aesthetics it was all very, you could tell it was all very planned out, very slick, very professional. So at the time I was thinking there's definitely some people behind this. You've got money and experience. Mm. So I'm not sure exactly what the singer's background is, but you can tell they've all, it's not their first rodeo, you know. But I did think it was a little bit repetitive slash derivative. I think Three Teeth are doing something that feels a bit more dangerous and kind of gnarly. And right. even if it's a bit... Uh, gimmicky sometimes whereas aesthetic perfection it felt like they came on and did a really good job but there wasn't quite the sort of spark of originality i was looking for which sounds a bit harsh because i did really enjoy it um and joe actually came up to the front of the stage at the end and he had this drum strapped onto him lots of strap on drums for some reason at this show and he poured loads of water on it and started drumming and i was like oh shit's gonna kick off uh (laughs) but then it didn't it just kind of went back oh. to normal, but um, a great show. Like, and they had loads of. They clearly had like a big old lighting rig for Lindemann, and they used the lights on the first two bands as well, which doesn't sound like much to mention, but it, there was a really good atmosphere for both of them. Mm-hmm. Kind of dark with like loads of like pink and white strobes, and it really felt like being at a proper show and a proper bill. And you don't always get bills that are curated to really suit 
the fan base and suit the mm. audience. And it felt like people had probably taken time out of their Sunday or taken a day off work on Monday to sort of come and see Linderman and actually come and see the whole show because the whole venue was full. Mm. It wasn't just like, oh, I'll just show up to see Till. Mm. It was like people had actually come out for a night out. That's cool. Fair play. So I really enjoyed it. I was like, this is a solid show. I was not bored. But Linderman, this is what you're waiting for. Yeah, I'm <laughs> on the edge of my seat. Linderman. No, I'm sitting on the floor, but... So... <laughs> It started with a video that was like an old school black and white video or like brown and white video of a grown man in a nappy running around a city and then he jumped in a river. So it was like, yeah, that, it's like, yeah that's, that's Linderman, isn't it? You know, you're like, you don't know what you're going to make. We're off to the races. You don't, yeah, we're off to the races. You don't know what's going to happen. Anything can happen. And then they all came on dressed entirely in white with white face paint stood right at the top of the back of the stage and they had a bit like when ghost played the same venue they had stairs either side of the stage and like a central platform so they're all lined up at the top of the stage up there all in white which was really dramatic because this is i think the london show is the smallest one that Lindemann are playing and they're playing some much larger crowds in uh, germany and russia yeah so to kind of come to the forum with only a couple of thousand people they have probably have to scale down their production and i did wonder how it was going to be not having ramstein's kind of get up but from the beginning it was like this they're putting on a show here you know even if they haven't got a ton of stuff they're all painted in white and standing up at the back it's already like clear intentions that it's going to be something special so anyway they play skills and pills they've got video screen at the back and on the video screen is a woman pushing a pill into her bum hole. So that's that. Ovs. Yeah. I felt like I'd seen it before, but I Googled for it and couldn't find it. So maybe not. <laughs> it's not my recreational watching. I just have to say that. So then um, they did Ladyboy. And there was a video of a sexy ladyboy who was kind of like silhouetted as if they were a stripper and then fellating themselves. And then Till was singing about like balls and stuff. And he was like touching his bum and his balls while he was singing, which again, very Till Lindemann. Mm -hmm. They had the song Fat and they had a video of all these larger, less like large ladies and they're wrestling in a paddling pool and they were covered in like some kind of weird, like, I don't know what it was, some kind of weird slime and they just kind of really emphasised that they had a lot of fat on them, but they were really enjoying themselves. Uh, and so, so far, so Linderman, you know, they're all painted up. They've got all these clips. Standard Sunday night out. They've got all these clips at the back of the venue. Um, and, you know, they're all sharing sort of slightly obscene material. And it's all grotesque, which is very Linderman. And then, then comes the moment, the first of two moments that were very memorable. Okay. I mean, so, this is fairly memorable already. It's fairly memorable already, yeah. I mean, we're 10 minutes in, so there's obviously a lot to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> we're having a good time. Sure. Uh, so then they wheel out a big table, and on the table are lots and lots and lots of large cakes. And I start to get very hungry, very envious of all these large cakes. And I'm sitting with uh, Hammer Writer, Classic Rock Online guru, Fraser Louie. Shout out, Fraser. Yeah. And we're on the balcony and all the cakes are on the stage. And I'm thinking, I really wish that I was down the front right now because I would just open my mouth 
And hopefully cake would fall into it. But I'm not. I'm on the balcony. I wouldn't trust any cake <laughs> that was getting chucked off a stage by Till Lindemann. <laughs> so then, yeah, that literally that no is what chance. that's what happens. They throw cakes at everyone, and it's hilarious. All the band members are getting involved throwing these cakes, and then Till is just lobbing all these cakes into the crowd. Lovely. He, he drops one on the stage, picks it up, throws it back. So yeah, probably not a good idea to actually eat it. Um, and it just made me really hungry for cake. But the song Alice Fresser, it's all about kind of consuming and like wanting to sort of consume all of this stuff and eat and it's probably very metaphorical it's probably about sex let's face it but anyway it was great it was literally there's just cake everywhere and everyone was just throwing cake and it was like again it's like they don't have massive pyro like Ramstein do but they're in this venue throwing around cake how many people have you seen do that at the forum mm, I can only recall five or six no literally no <laughs> literally never seen that then they played Nabal, which if you don't know, is this very cool song, which is a bit like Puppa on the Rammstein album. And it starts off with him and Peter, of course, Peter Tackram from Payne, his colleague in Lindemann. And he's playing the guitar until he's singing and it's acoustic. Uh, and then it's all very nice. And then the word censored flashes up on the screen at the back and there's all these strobes and an air raid siren and shit just kicks off. And you're like, that happened. <laughs> then there's cowboy in a cowboy video and there's lots of people riding on a bull which has a dildo on it then there's golden shower there's a video at the back of a large stream of piss and of course this is the song that has the words from your pretty cunt and so Tittle just keeps yelling the word cunt Rude. and everybody in the crowd is yelling the word cunt and on the screen at the back it starts off with just one vagina and then it splits into many vaginas and there's just a wall of vaginas and the whole band are standing on the stage at the front gesturing to this vagina wall every time they say the word cunt. It's just like a beautiful celebration of the female anatomy. And then there's the song Blute and they have actual like water showers that shower the crowd with water. And then, I know I have to get through this quickly, we're running out of time. Yeah, that's right. You've used about a third of the podcast so far. Okay, I'll be really quick. <laughs> but anyway, Fraser told me there was a bit in the gig where Till actually does a reading. And we were like, oh, this is going to be really boring. Like, it's like what's it going to be about? But it was basically a naked woman. It was a video of a naked woman lying across Till's knee, uh, reciting something from a book, like weird German philosophy of some kind. And if she gets the words wrong, he slaps her on the bum. So that was that. My word. Uh, then there was a bit where he walked through the crowd and there were these massive glow sticks around him. And so he was on the, the ground floor. Um, I saw, I did see that bit on your Instagram story. Yeah, so that was really mad. Again, like achieving like a big effect for not very many effects. Yeah. And on stage they all had these glittery capes. And then... <laughs> They did praise abort. And then this was the... This <laughs> was to keep in every single tiny detail This was out. the maddest bit. This right, is what okay. you're waiting for. This is what this build-up's been for. What happened next? So if you read our feature, you'll know what's coming. He had a fish catapult. What? A fish catapult. A catapult for fish. A catapult for fish. Real ones? Real ones. Oh, dear. So, Alive? No. Okay. Dead fish. Thank God. So he was putting these presumably rancid and disgusting dead fish into the catapult and catapulting them into the audience, smiling happily. <laughs> you made it sound like you were reading an Edgar Allan Poe tome or something. <laughs> and he catapulted them. 
So yeah, I have mixed feelings about this because I love Till Lindemann, but I really love sea creatures. I know. Well, I heard about this and I was like, Elle's going to have some real uh, soul searching to work out how she feels about this gig. I feel sad because I don't want the fish to be dead. But at the same time, I have to respect his creative uh, things. I mean, yeah. Dead animals being (laughs) wasted by getting chucked about on stage. Not ideal, but also probably can't celebrate artists making us feel uncomfortable for 20 years. And then when they actually do make us feel (laughs) uncomfortable, complain about it, I would say. That basically that was my entire thing. It's like, okay, you know, that's what artists do. If you want the vaginas, you've got to put up with the fish, Al. That's the thing. (laughs) I want the cake. So yeah, (laughs) this went on for like the a long time, a good couple of minutes, and then audience members were picking up the fish and throwing them at each other. And after being a bit sad, I was on the balcony for the cake throwing. I was like, I'm fucking happy I'm on the balcony now because I do yeah. not want a rancid fish Don't in my eyes. Don't want a fish. No yeah. one needs that. So that happened. Wow. And then, what yeah. Crazy there show. Obviously a few more songs, but we're out of time. <laughs> <laughs> but that, suffice to say, their all-white outfits were very grubby I mean, by the end. Yeah. Very, very grubby. I think they intentionally had some soot backstage and they were like grubbing themselves up, but it so went from this... Well, a soot. Oh, soot, okay. Yeah. So basically... Like, said soup. I was like, no. that's some northern thing. So, <laughs> shut up. So basically, they were like innocent white virginal beings at the start of the show. And by the end, they'd been through vaginas, cake and fish and they were dirty. A metaphor for life. Um, it was mad. I've never seen anything like that at the forum. I mean, I've never seen a single thing of the things you mentioned at any gig. So it was really And I've good. seen Ramstein like five times. <laughs> <laughs> it was a really good value night. It was like three bands all, you know, connected in some way by what they're doing. And then Lindemann just, you can tell he was really enjoying it as well. Yeah. He loved it. Like he was having the best time. He was smiling the whole time. He was interacting with people. Uh, it was really good. Wow. But I, w- I will not forget that in a hurry. No, apparently not. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> and neither will you after listening to that. I'll just be silent for the next 40 minutes. No, please don't. No, it's it. I mean, uh, you know, there's obviously a lot going on and uh, they are nothing if not artists, that weird old bunch, Till and his mates. Uh, Alice, in slightly fewer words. Sorry. <laughs> mm-hmm. What the hell were you doing in York with a load of Vikings this past weekend? Um, I went to the Jorvik takeover. What's Ooh. that? Um, it's um, There's a clothing brand called Descended from Odin. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow, oh, okay. How do you not know this? Yeah. They're all over Instagram. They wow. do um, all sort of, they're based up north and they do um, a lot of like fitness wear um, and it's all kind of inspired by Nordic looking so stuff. Like Viking joggers. Yeah, and they do like collaborations with various artists and like wow. tattoo artists. And I think they've done a collaboration with um they did one with the one of the guys from Heilung, I think. Amazing. Um, yeah, they've done all sorts of collaborations. And um they have started doing this Jorvik takeover thing, um, in York every single February. They for years and years and years they've done a York Jorvik festival where like the whole city sort of embraces the Viking ancestry like because obviously it was um the city was founded um with by the Vikings Mm. and um so kind of do a week-long thing of events so just all sorts of like family friendly stuff which unfortunately was a bit of a washout this year 
um, due to like the really, really strong, like stormy winds. Um, so loads Vikings of stuff, are they? Loads of stuff can we go on. We are mighty on. Vikings, except when it's a bit rainy. <laughs> <laughs> if it was just rain, it would have been all right, I, I think. Know, it was a terrible storm. <laughs> it was My like, roads got absolutely fucked and I live in like Hertfordshire. So. Yeah, it was really strong winds. So like if they'd had anything in their tents, like yeah. it just would have just flown away. So they couldn't like do loads of stuff. Couldn't do loads of, well, like leather making and stuff like that for kids. I think they took some of it inside. Um, but yeah, it wasn't, it was a bit oh, of a disappointment. Hopefully next year, it is terrible, like you said, with the storms. But yeah, I mean, like the whole river had flooded as well in York. So there were a few pubs Jesus. and stuff that you couldn't get to. Shame. They're used to it kind of happening, but yeah, it doesn't, it's not cool. Maybe next year, lads. Yeah, so that sucked. But um, the band still went on. They uh, were playing in the Barbican. Um, there's a whole mix of like pagan and black metal. Um, so there was Tear, who were kind of, well, I think of them as like Viking Alestorm. Um. <laughs> I don't know if you've done them, a, I think you might have done them a bit of a disservice there. <laughs> Fucking hell. It's pretty harsh on Alestorm. Like. Uh, yeah, that's pretty like, harsh on Tear. That's literally. I like some Alestorm songs, but Jesus. <laughs> it's literally what they are they're like viking power metal or something ish um and they had winter Phyllis and sow saw i think you say it it's like spelt s-a-o-r it's scottish um kind of pagany like atmospheric black metal i think i might have seen them at bloodstock ones yeah he's like it's a one it's one guy but he obviously has a band when he does stuff live yeah it's really really cool um, I like it anyway. Um, Galswood were there, and it's a great lineup. Yeah, it was really good. Wow. And High Lung played the um, like final, wow, final show, which was on the Friday last year. They had Mirka, um, and I think they did. They have Wardruna or something, but they only did one night last year. Um, when this year they did three three nights in a row, wow. so it was pretty. Surely big. it's all building up to an Amona Math booking. At some point. I don't know. It's got to happen. <laughs> it's got to happen. It's got to be the way. Well, uh, I was getting even closer to Viking culture uh, <laughs> while you were doing that. Because uh, I went over to Oslo last week, which was a lovely time. Um, it was actually for something I'm doing uh, but for Metal Hammer, the magazine coming up um, with the Mighty Kvelatak. Uh, their new album Splits came out a couple of weeks ago. I've got to say, um, uh, to be honest, I, I listened to it a little bit before uh, it came out. And then when I knew that I was jumping over to interview the guys, um, I gave it more of a listen. And I think it's a fucking fantastic album. Actually, I think it's easily the best thing they've done since the debut. Um, if you haven't listened to Cavellatac before, for some reason, they're kind of like this mad, super catchy, raucous hybrid of like black metal, rock and roll and, and punk rock. Um, but the new album's got loads of stuff going on it uh, as well. There's like these big, th- expansive, ambient bits. There's like th- full-on thrash metal headbanger bits. Um, it, it's just got loads and loads of shit going on. It's such a great record. Um, so I went over to watch them at a kind of album release uh, party that they had in Oslo um, in a little 400-capacity venue that was under this cafe they had in the <coughs> in the town centre. Um, and it was just great. It was the first time I've seen the new guy, Ivar, um, fronting the band because Erland who was fronting them previously left a couple of years back now 
Um, uh, so the first time I got to see him with the band, he brings a really cool, uh, interesting new vibe to it. He's a bit more of a kind of gutter punk rock and roll kind of guy, but whereas Erlen was more of just like a heads down kind of head banging fist in the air kind of like party on dude type. Um, so he's brought a slightly different dimension to the band. Um, I think the new material sounded absolutely brilliant as well. Uh, Crack of Doom is one of the best songs they've done. As soon as that song starts, you can kind of feel everyone get excited because it just fits straight in. Um, and I think they're kind of in it. Even though we weirdly, obviously, I was watching them in Norway. So everyone else there would have known all the lyrics to the other songs, um, which are all in Norwegian, in case you haven't heard about it. Um, but when Crack of Doom played, I was like, oh, I can properly sing along to this one because it's the <laughs> one that has Troy Sanders from Mastodon on it and the lyrics are in English. So that was really cool. Um, and yeah, it was just a great gig. They're one of the best live bands in metal, one of the most unique uh, bands in our scene. And I think the new album's fantastic. And um, you can read my interview with them all about that and why Eva joined, why Erland left and what it's like being best mates with Metallica. Uh, in an upcoming issue of Metal Hammer that will be out soon. But yeah, it was a good time. Oh, and I went to the Brits last week. So that was good. <laughs> I watched it on TV. Yeah. I actually really enjoyed it. I thought it was much better than in previous years. In previous years, I've been a bit bored. Yeah. But Dave's performance was amazing. I thought Dave was incredible. Um, I love that album. Yeah. yeah. He was great. Storms, he's had a thousand people say. in. Yeah, yeah, that was good fun as well. Yeah, it was cool. It was interesting to, to you know... Most award shows are kind of quite corporatized, back slappy, self-congratulatory things. And so if you're expecting something different from the biggest and most commercial UK music awards in the world, then you're probably going to be disappointed. But uh, yeah, it was what it was. I had a good time and I thought Dave was excellent. Um, Bring Me the Horizon were actually nominated for a Brit, which I didn't realise before I went. Um, So you know, a small little portion of rock music getting some recognition there. And they dressed as the Spice Girls. They did. Yeah, which was fucking great. I didn't even spot that at first because I saw the photo of them and didn't put two and two together. But yeah, they did a little like subtle Spice Girls uh, homage. It's a fair play to them. Uh, stuff, go- what's been going on in metal this week? Uh, Metallica have pulled out of two of their big US festival appearances this spring. Um, obviously, they'd previously announced uh, some of the big US festivals that they were going to do two sets at on each weekend. Um, and two of those festivals were Sonic Temple in Columbus, Ohio in May and Louder Than Life in Louisville in Kentucky uh, in September. Um, but Metallica have had to pull out of those so that James Hetfield could continue his um, his rehab course. Um, Hetfield himself uh, released a statement that said, As part of my continuing effort to get and stay healthy, I have critical recovery events on those weekends that cannot be moved. I apologise to uh, all of our fans who bought tickets for these festivals. Um, But then he later says, looking on the brighter side, my therapy is going well. It was absolutely necessary for me to look after my mental, physical and spiritual health. Um, And then, uh, yeah, he goes on to say some other stuff about how his recovery is going. Uh, And those two festivals drafted in some to be honest, pretty impressive replacements at short notice uh, in the form of Tool and um, a Red Hot Chili Peppers that are now uh, packing John back in the band. Um, so that's not too bad going, all things considered. Um, but yeah, ultimately, uh, James Hetfield getting back to full health is what really matters. And obviously, he's got some specific things he has to do um, along the way that he needs to take care of. So 
bit of a bummer for those people that have got tickets for that, but very understandable. And hopefully it all uh, it all will work into the great good eventually. Um, I know James was on stage uh, last very recently doing some some bits, so um, he's obviously on the way, which is great. So power to Papa Hat. Uh, what else we going on? El, should we talk about, or do you want to talk about this uh, this thing with the British government that's got everybody screwing at the moment? Yeah, do you know what? I haven't actually read the material on the government website. I've just seen stuff float by. So I was actually just having a little look on the government website now. Um, but yeah, um, post-Brexit, the British government has come under fire after unveiling an immigration crackdown that could affect overseas bands touring in the UK. A non-profit organisation, the Incorporated Society of Musicians, says that these changes to the immigration rules could cut the legs off the UK music industry. So plan changes mean that anyone from the EU planning to perform in the UK will need to apply for a visa that costs £244 for every member, prove that they have £1,000 in savings, and provide a certificate of sponsorship from an event organiser. Yeah, it's uh, so this is something that's sparking a lot of debate, of course, um, in the music scene and beyond. Um, uh, uh, Deborah Annette, who is the chief executive of the uh, Society of Musicians, has gone on record saying that the Home Office has failed to grasp that touring and the creative industries are not about immigration, but a global industry uh, in which people move around all the time. This will, and as El said earlier, this will cut the legs off the bottom half of the music industry. So the problem here is basically that um, as things currently stand, it looks like uh, bands on low incomes, which, you know, certainly mm. in our industry represents a massive, massive proportion of artists. Not many artists make a lot of money these days, unfortunately. Um, and, and it looks like a, a big proportion of those um, will be hit quite hard by some of the new uh, financial implications of um coming to the uk from the eu uh and um i'm a bit bit uh, bit fed up with some of the responses to this to be honest because um obviously we're not going to know exactly what happens until everything is completely signed off and uh you know put into place and bands are actually living in that world that's that's going to exist soon but um you know, this is a real thing that is concerning a lot of people. And I talk, I've talk, i talked to everybody from actual people in bands to promoters to uh, tour to managers to everybody in between. And, you know, th there's, some, there's some real uh, potential stumbling blocks here. And um, hopefully it's something that can be sorted out before this all actually gets put into action. Um but I think at the very least, we should all be concerned about this and we should all be talking about this and we should all be putting pressure on the people that can make these decisions to make sure that artists aren't um, completely screwed over. Because, I mean, whatever you stand on everything that's happened with Brexit, nobody who is into our kind of music wants to see bands negatively affected. So, um, yeah, I'm getting a bit fed up with people seeing this story and kind of thinking it will be fine. No one knows what they're talking about uh you know it will sort itself out it's like well it won't necessarily sort itself out and actually um the people that are concerned about this really do know what they're talking about so hopefully it can get sorted before we don't have any bands coming to the uk anymore i saw someone say as well that wherever you stand on brexit you can probably appreciate that it is going to hit bands hard and if there's a band that you like and you go and see them then maybe think about buying 
you know an extra piece of merch or something to try and help them out which is always a good approach i think especially with bands from our world if you like something and you can support it it's good to try and support it because you want the thing you like to carry on being around it's never been more important to support great artists um or what the artists you love and um yeah i don't know if you follow me on twitter you probably know what my feelings are on brexit but more than anything i just think everyone that's listening to this show and reads our magazine and whatever um all wants the metal scene to be in good health and uh, if something like this comes along um that could threaten that then we should all be doing whatever we can whether it's signing petitions you know talking to artists there is a petition going around yeah i think i shared that um you know we should all be trying to make sure that we look after our scene and this is something that looks like uh it could um really cause some problems for everybody so we should all try and work out how to stop that fucking happening because no one wants bands to go through shit it sucks what's the album of the week uh well this is appropriate because you know if you think things suck and you want to have like a bit of a session then five finger death punch have got you covered (laughs) their album f8 is due out this week and fate no yeah probably i haven't i haven't heard anyone say it out loud so i don't know i still don't know either that's bad isn't it considering the fact that we went to the gig and we saw zoltan and (laughs) (laughs) and considering the fact that we put them on the cover (laughs) oops uh yeah no i don't know we've listened to it but we still don't know if it's fate it must be fate let's call it fate it must be it's got to be fate i think i've just been seeing in my head like f8 like um when we were saying King okay. 810, no, King 810, but it's King 810, isn't yeah. it? Or Blink 182. Yeah. Fate. Fate's out this Fate. week. So Fate is out What do we this think then? Week. Uh, via, uh, it's out Friday via Better Noise. Um, it is indeed the eighth Five Finger Death Punch album. Um, and I think generally speaking, you know what you're going to get with Five Finger Death Punch. You're kind of expecting a healthy mix of uh, big, chunky metal bangers and some big old power ballads, maybe with a couple of cover songs thrown in as well. Um, And those first two categories are certainly catered to here, although not as many power ballads on here, I would say, like the kind of proper overall ones. They are on there, but um, they don't kind of go, you know, two-footed into them. Um, But yeah, there's, I mean, I I think it's a fucking great album. I like what Five Finger Death Punch do. Uh, I, I thought the last... Um, was all right but a bit patchy i think this one is much more solid all the way through um obviously the first three songs on there um inside out full circle living the dream um they've all been released already but uh you know i like what those songs do i think inside out is a really strong opener it's dramatic it's uh it's got all these like big swelling synths under it so it sounds a bit more epic than what they usually do um full circle is more of a classic stomping five finger death punch jam i've been still very fed up um, it's kind of just his first lyric is like, that's it I've had enough and it's like yeah Full Circle is you've had enough like th- six albums ago dude <laughs> Full Circle is so fucking catchy and you'll just walk around singing so it so catchy and then the lyrics are like I know I'm never going to save the world so I'll sit here laughing as it all goes by it's literally like the Joker or something Yeah, it's like full on 
nihilism. It's like, oh, it's just a nice catchy song. And then you're like, oh, no, it's fucking bleak and apathetic. It's great. I mean, What's going on? If you thought that Ivan was going to suddenly start writing cheery clap along lyrics because that the band have uh, sorted their shit out over the last few years, you are wrong, my friend. Yeah, you <laughs> like, are wrong. He is still antagonistic. He is still angry. That's, um, and that's why we love him. That song is not a call to action. Let's no, put it, it that way. Not. <laughs> it's fuck all action. Uh, so yeah, Ivan's still very fed up. Um, Living the dream has just some of the most Ivan lyrics ever. So Ivan. When he's kind of going, hey, Captain America, can you, can you save us? Hey, Mr. Universe, what are you holding up now? Um, <laughs> so that's quite fun. Uh, but, but again, quite chuggy, but a bit of a slower, more methodical number. Um, bottom of the top, again, is uh, more of a, a heads down uh, chugger as well. Mother May I, I've written chugger. Um, Mother May I though actually I thought that is a chugger but again that's quite interesting because you know lyrically is a lot of Ivan's journey isn't it yeah, and it is. I was quite surprised just in the middle of that he just drops the serenity prayer which is the prayer that we cite in Alcoholics Anonymous mm. which is you know grant me the serenity to accept the things I can't change and change yeah. the things I can and he just drops that right in there and I'm like wow that's pretty like full on again yeah, I mean he's, we talked about it at the gig a few weeks ago but he, he really wears that stuff on his sleeve when it comes to his battles with uh, alcoholism and everything else and um, yeah it's uh, he's obviously brought that into this record um, the song that really stood out to me um, and it's one that I should probably turn around and say oh it's a cynical radio pop uh, attempt but it works so well is a little bit off. Yeah, Because it's like this it. kind of, it's this super saturated, like um, super Americanized electro pop song with this kind of hey, 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 uh, uh, refrain in the middle. Um, and it's, I mean, it's so obviously designed to just smash the shit out of like big mainstream radio stations. Totally. But it really works and it really gets stuck in your head. And I think it shows once again what a savvy songwriter Zoltan is because he, every time he kind of decides to slightly tilt towards something a little bit different, he always pulls it off. And I think as well, if you've got, if you're the kind of person that's criticizing Five Finger Death Punch for being like lowest common denominator, you could definitely level that that this song in the lyrical sense in that it's kind of saying uh, I'm a little bit off there's something off and it's basically just saying I'm not feeling great today yeah. but at the same time that's kind of powerful as well because everybody has those days and they know that so it's total mass appeal like everybody can identify with having a day where they're a bit, a bit off yeah. again it's very savvy and it's even if you might say it's lowest common de denominator it's like well yeah we've all felt like that and he's expressing what everyone's felt so we all know what it's like to you feel know, pissed off. Well, it's just, I think it's more about having it being a little bit depressed and being a little bit sad, isn't it? Yeah, of course. No, I mean, I was being, uh, I, I meant the same thing, but I said it a bit I know. Um, I like the vibe of Darkness Settles In. It's got a little bit of the outlaw country kind of thing that they've they've dabbled in before. Um, Ivan really indulging that lyrically as well with this kind of like, I can hear the trains are rolling kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. It's like, where are you? <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> Uh, you know like like you played Red, Red Dead Redemption or something um, but yeah I dug it um, Brighter Side of Grey is a big big proper ballad like they go full ballad for that one uh, even lyrically again um, Ivan sings like wipe away the tears for me know that we've made history it's like it's this kind of like big emotional like linchpin um, and yeah there's loads of kind of acoustic synthy bits in that as well um, 
And then what's the other one? Oh my god! Then we have to make a shout out for this is war. Un um, dos tres, oh get the fuck up! God. Just amazing, just amazing. Yeah, it's got this like galloping kind of thrash riff at the start, and then it just kicks into un dos tres, get the fuck up. Which just is most... totally ripped off Max Cavallera. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but you know, it just it's, no, but it's I done like in such it. a kind it's a of nod. such a kind of shamelessly dumb and fun way. It's um, a little metal nod, and it's a fucking heavy song as well. That's the heaviest song they've had in a while. That track. Um, this is war properly properly goes off uh, i really dig it um so yeah as always if you if you've not been with five finger death punch to this point you're probably not gonna like this album but for what it's worth i think it's the strongest thing they've done in a few years um i definitely think it's a step up on the last one and the few little deviations they do make into new stuff i think are really interesting um so yeah it's a big old thumbs up from me I like it too. There's a lot of Ivan on there. A lot yeah. of Ivan stuff. And I you mean, know, his personality is so overbearing. And if you do just want something to stick on because you're feeling a bit like pissed off or fed up or something, they've got your back. That's, that's what this is for. They have. They got your back. Um, yeah. They I got think, your six. I think they're a fascinating band. They got your eight now. Uh, <laughs> they're a fascinating band. And I think uh, Matt was lucky to have a band that's doing things on their level. And I think they're jolly good fun. And I like this record a lot. So there. Um, hey, Captain America. Hey, Mr. Universe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alice, shall we take a question from facebook.com slash Metal Hammer Readers? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you might say that. Uh, with Slayer hanging up the horns, R.I.P., and the rest of the big four passed their best before dates. What bands formed in the last 10 years would you put in the refreshed big four? And that's from Sam Gore. I'm assuming they don't have to be thrash. Oh, I thought well, they had to be. I think they probably shouldn't have to be because it's really hard to find... Uh, well, actually, it's probably not. There's probably a lot of Hesher's sat at home going, you're an idiot. But um, all the bands that came to mind for me that I thought, oh yeah, bands formed in the last 10 years. I wrote them all down and then it turns out none of them were actually formed in the last 10 years. So I kind of gave up on that rule. I originally had Power Trip, Judiciary and Havoc as my first three that came to mind. Um, Power Trip and Judiciary, slightly more in the crossover realm, but both just like savagely heavy and excellent Texas thrash. Um, Havoc, more kind of straight up thrash, but still just really excellently produced and very modern sounding cutting edge stuff um check out all those bands if you haven't and then for the fourth one i put a uh, skeleton witch which is really really stretching it but um that you know loads of their stuff comes with the banner of thrash black and thrash so i'm having it uh but yeah in terms of like massive obvious choices for thrash bands formed in the last 10 years there's not loads do you guys have any uh, I thought we'd all just say Power Trip, to be honest, but like four times. Power Trip, four times. <laughs> I mean, for me, Power Trip are by far and away the best things happened to Thrash Metal in the last 10 years. And then there's something... But yeah, they formed in 2008, so... Something landed in my inbox today that I was going to listen to before we did this, but I didn't have time because I was too busy, obviously, thinking about Lindemann. But um, there's a band that, yeah, keeps popping up my, in my inbox. They're called Thrash Bandicoot. Don't care. <laughs> They're interested. Australians. Sorry. No. And they've got an EP called Milwaukee Cannibal, no. which is about Jeffrey Dahmer. So I want to listen to that and see if they've got any substance past the name. Because I used to love Crash Bandicoot, so I'm into Thrash Bandicoot as a as a concept. Oh, pathetic. Um, you don't like gimmicks. 
No. Well, no, that's not true. I do like gimmicks. Oh, you like ghosts. Of course you like gimmicks. I like, yeah, I love gimmicks, to be honest. But, um, oh, Thrash Bandicoot, come on. There's a line for you and it's crossed it. So I kind of purposely <laughs> lolsy like, <laughs> we're called Thrash Bandicoots. <laughs> yeah, but they might just really like Thrash and Crash Bandicoot. Yeah, so. that's fine. But like... Maybe I like, they dress I like, up. I like the croc yeah. game on PS2. On stage. Does he yeah, make a man called Croc and Roll? You know, like it doesn't doesn't need to be this way. It doesn't gonna, need to be I'm this gonna way. I'm going to listen to it. So. Well, good for you. Yeah. Enjoy it. Did go Alice li- have any? We didn't do Alice's. No, go I didn't do mine. I didn't have my thing, did I? I lost it. Oh yeah, you lost it. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Not like I spent ages putting that together. Cheers. <laughs> um, Zach Wells says, what's the craziest sight you've seen at a gig or festival? Can I do mine? No. Cake and fish. <laughs> yeah, fair. <laughs> Very fair. <laughs> mm. uh, Done. That's it. Alice, anything that comes to mind for a ridiculous thing you've seen? Um, I saw a pig head on a skull, on a stick. Where was that? Copenhagen. Or just hanging around? Just a guy with... You must have seen that a few times. A sh- no, it was a sheep's head. Yeah, but it wasn't like during a black metal show or anything. What was it doing? It was just some guy hanging out with his goat head. Surely you can't bring a goat head into a major music oh, festival. Oh, yeah, you can. You can in Denmark. Oh, my God. <laughs> Is yeah. it like uh, when weird. people try and bring in hip fuss by putting them down their bras? He was like, excuse me, I'm just going to put my goat's head No, like, he's just like, look, this is my goat's head and I'm coming in. Why are your in. breasts bleeding? <laughs> <laughs> Why, are there uh, horns? No Why are there horns poking out of your nipples? <laughs> I saw Pikachu's having a wrestling match as well yeah, yeah. we've all seen that i've seen uh, someone dressed in a cock costume we've all seen that i mean that's pretty standard low-grade banter isn't it for a festival yeah just silly costumes seen people shagging at festivals before greenfields was quite a sight for stuff like that just people shagging in the middle of the fields sure don't think i've ever seen that no i don't uh, you I haven't, haven't been to a dance festival in liverpool in 2008 wow no <laughs> <laughs> no uh, i have sounds not awful. <laughs> i mean the maddest thing i've seen someone do at a gig was when i was uh, the first time i saw Killswitch, um which is the first time they came to london in 2002 or three on a live of just breathing when howard had just joined and they played the astoria and someone uh, people were like jumping up on people like crowd surfing and actually getting up on stage and like diving in and stuff and one guy did like a full um, 360 like barrel roll forwards off the stage into the crowd. And I, this this was only like my, I don't know, third, fourth, fifth metal gig I've ever been to. And I was just like, what's going on? This is amazing. I was surprised he didn't kill someone, to be honest. But yeah, that was pretty crazy. So. What about all the things where people scale the sides of stages? There's been a couple of those at Download. Yeah, I mean, anytime seeing Dillinger. I was going to say, was yeah. absolutely ridiculous. First time I saw Airborne. Um, seeing Joel climb up all over the stuff yeah um, like soloing his way through the crowd at the borderline jumping over the bar and pouring himself a pint of beer and then drinking it while, while still noodling was pretty cool but fish and cake but fish and cake yeah I think you just kind of won that one really got, there's, I don't think anything's going to get weirder than that never let's do another question Joe Fleischer asks if you've been to one of the big US festivals like Rock on the Range or Carolina Rebellion how do they differ from the big ones in the UK and Europe outside of the lineups? Is the food worse? Are the fans nicer or not as nice? I've been to some. You have? I have. You should probably answer that question. Maybe mm. I will. Yeah, I've been to, what have I done? I've been to um, 
Chicago Open Air, which is fucking great. What brilliant festival. I've been to Welcome to Rockville as well uh, in Jacksonville, although it's just moved to um, Daytona Beach, actually. Uh, so my experience is a bit irrelevant now. Um, but yeah the, yeah, the American festivals do have a different vibe, I would say. I mean, first of all, they tend to be um, either in the middle of or in the car park areas of like big sporting uh, stadiums and things like that. So Chicago Open Air um, was, uh, I think it was where their soccer team, soccer, listen to me, where their football team plays. Um, so that was in the middle of this big stadium and kind of onto the tarmac around it. Um, and the Jacksonville one was in and around where the Jacksonville Jaguars play, uh, which I think is American football. Um, so yeah, that that gives it a different vibe already because you don't you're not in the middle of the countryside, like trudging around on grass. Everyone feels a bit more fresher, and um, I don't know if they've got camping offsite, but I don't feel like they do at most of those festivals. Maybe a couple of them, but um, everyone looks a bit more. Not dressed up, but a bit fresher and a bit like they kind of like had a wash and a kind of, you know, it's a, it's a bit more um, clean. Yeah, a bit, a bit. I don't want to say cleaner because I don't, I don't, I'm not saying it's necessarily a good thing. It's just, it's a slightly more relaxed and less chaotic vibe because everyone's just kind of like turned up and then walking around having beers. It's not like people sliding around in the mud or running around in Pikachu costumes or cock costumes and all that Put kind of stuff. Putting flags on their tents and things. Yeah, Having exactly. special areas, bin exactly. jousting. It's not, it's not, yeah, it's not metalheads on just going absolutely batshit insane. It's a lot more of a chilled vibe I've found. Um, there's, there's a lot more. Uh, one thing I will say that they've got nailed down is um, a lot of them pay a lot of attention to like food. So there's like gourmet food options and like cool beers and craft stuff. And I think the Chicago one had Maynard's wine operating from a stand and all that kind of stuff um so yeah it's a slightly different vibe if you get if you happen to find yourself in the u.s uh and you're thinking about going to one of those festivals i'd definitely recommend it because it is really good fun and the lineups tend to be absolutely cracking as well um particular shout out if we're if we're including north america to heavy montreal which is easily my favorite festival i've been to on that side of the pond um mainly because you get all of that lovely stuff plus loads of poutine so it's a win for everybody. You should probably say what that is. It's chips and gravy, right? Yes. It's basically chips and gravy with this kind of curd, Kids. like baby bell-esque cheese shaved over it. Oh my God, it's heavenly. But they do like loads of different variations of it. Um, yeah, it's amazing. Go eat poutine is the moral of the story. Uh, and oh yeah, Joe asked if the fans are nice or not as nice. Oh yeah, I think they're just as nice as metalheads wherever you go. You get, uh, you know... The thing is, America is so big that if you go to a gig or a festival in somewhere like New York or San Francisco or um, Chicago, you're going to get a very, very different uh, demographic of people than if you go to one in the Deep South or in Florida, especially. Um, you know, you get different, you, you know, you get different types of people with different temperaments, different political leanings, different all kinds of stuff. Uh, so it really does depend where you go. Um but, uh, you know, everyone's very nice to each other. Like Everyone's there to enjoy metal and have a great time, which is what it's all about. So, there. Uh, Mark Baker asks, how much of your life is spent doing music for fun? You put it in, in uh, quotation marks. So, listening, gigs, etc. compared to doing music for work. Does working within the music sphere affect your enjoyment of it at all? It's an interesting question. It's a good question. Thoughts? A lot of what we do is music for work 
but that doesn't mean it's not music for fun, mm. I would say. Like, obviously, a lot of the time we go to gigs, it's related to things we're doing in the office. And a lot of times we listen to records, it's related to stuff we're doing for the magazine. Mm. So it's work-related. But that I want to see those gigs and listen to those albums, so that's fun. So I wouldn't say it's really easy to divide up into two things. I'd say it's all kind of blurred together. But at home, I do just tend to listen to whatever I want to listen to. Whereas in the office, I'll probably be listening to stuff that is relevant to the magazine. Yeah. So there's a split there, but the rest of the time, it all kind of blurs into something. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, it's, yeah, I mean, we're very lucky to do a job that is intrinsically linked with what we love. Um, you know, you don't end up working at Metal Hammer unless you really love metal. So I love it when people ask me that, actually. They go, oh, so how did you end up doing that? Like, do you like metal? And I'm like, yeah. It's so funny. Kind of really it's love so it. It's so funny you say that because <laughs> I was listening to, not to go on too big a tangent, but I was listening to a wrestling podcast that I presented by the amazing Jim Ross. And he was talking about how when he's going through airports and stuff for travel and people are like, oh, what do you do? And he says, I work in wrestling. And they always go, oh, do you really like that stuff? And I felt an instant kinship with that because people do say the people same thing when you're a metalhead. all the time. People, like... people think, no, I just happen to end up being a metal journalist. Like, that's not something you just can <laughs> flop into, really. And also, I think it would be really horrible if you didn't like metal because we spend all our time talking yeah, about exactly. metal and listening to metal and planning things to do with metal. It's and. Awesome. You would not like that if you didn't like metal. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, with the enjoyment thing, I think the the, the only thing that that does uh, almost compromise you in a little way is if um, you know if uh, you know Trivium or someone or it could be anyone Trivium, Lamb of God, fucking Avenged, whoever. If they put a new album out and I go and I you know listen to that and I get to hear it in advance because of work. You know, I'm not just listening to that as a fan anymore. I have to have my editor's head on, just like you guys do, and think, you know, firstly, is this good? Firstly, how does this fit into how we're going to cover them? Um, is there stuff relevant here that we can talk about? You know, so you kind of detach a little bit from it, which does affect your enjoyment of it sometimes, which is why a lot of the time I make a point of not actually listening to an album if I can afford, if you can get away with doing it until it actually comes out. I mean, when the last Iron Maiden album came out, um, admittedly, I wasn't editor then, so I was in a slightly different position. <clears throat> I didn't actually listen to it until it came out. out. Um, I got the option to listen to a stream, I think. And I kind of said, you know what? I'm good. I'm not writing this feature. Um, you know, Alex was editor at the time. He's kind of overseeing the wider strikes. I'm actually going to wait until I can sit at home with a big speaker and a beer and sit back and actually listen to this Iron Maiden album. And when I did that, I could just enjoy the shit out of it. I often do that as well, actually. Like, if when something's come out, I'll usually just be at home on the weekend or whatever, and I'll just put something on and just really enjoy it because I'll just mm. be in my house, hanging out, like, relaxed. It's a weekend, and yeah. that's a lot different to when you listen to something at your desk and, like you said, usually for a purpose. Mm. And so some albums that we listen to in advance, I kind of have on and I sort of pick through and dissect and think about what we do and all the rest of it. Yeah. And then I'll just put them aside and then they come out and then I'll just go nuts on them. <laughs> just I mean, play them loads and loads. I was definitely, <laughs> it definitely benefited me listening to that Cavell Attack album, for instance, a bit later on than like giving it a proper listen after the fact because I kind of was just like, oh yeah, I should listen to this. I haven't really, you know, I kind of disengaged with Cavell Attack a little bit. I didn't really like the last album so much. 
And then I got to do it in my own time and it really made me like excited about it and passionate about it. And that in turn fed back into me doing this interview where I was more psyched up to kind of talk to them about it and get really invested in it in a way that yeah. maybe I wouldn't have if I'd been kind of analyzing it bit by bit right from the start. Um, well, well, I will say as well, if you, uh, you know, if you do end up working in the music industry, I can't um, tell you enough how important I find it to, you know, sometimes do things like just instead of, uh, you know, going through work or whatever, um, you know, buying a ticket to a gig and just going in that, like as a proper fan, which sounds like a really wanky thing to say because that's what most people do anyway. But um, I went with some mates to see Metallica in Prague last year and it was the most I've enjoyed a Metallica gig in years because you you are just, again, you're not sitting there kind of going, hmm, how are, how are they looking? How is Lars drumming today? How does this fit into what my recap is going to be in the magazine and blah, blah, blah. You're just there with your mates getting pissed and going to a gig, which again, luckily is what it's a lot, a lot of the time when we go to gigs. <laughs> yeah, when I cried when Perfect Circle came back and I was sitting at the top of the Brixton Academy where nobody could see me and then they just came on and I had a big cry. I was like, this is fine. I can just have a big cry and really enjoy it because I'm not standing next to somebody from a label. No, yeah, yeah, exactly. Because... And it's not that they would really mind if you had a cry. No, but, of course not. Cause... You know, and that's fine. You know, we all have emotions and things but I felt a little bit more free to just yeah. like go with my reaction to it Definitely. rather than having to like moderate it in some way. Definitely. If you, if you go to a gig as, especially if you're an editorial of a magazine, it, you know, and festivals as well really count for this. You are going in a work capacity and you're not quite, you know, you re you're not really in, in the same mind space as if you would be if you were just going with some mates when you're 20 and just getting pissed up and having a laugh because you're in work mode. The people that you... Co the people that you are on email with every single day are there your colleagues are there you know you can't kind of just run around being shut up do you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> we have a we have a great fucking time when we go out but um like you know you're not there kind of just uh start drinking at 1 p.m in the afternoon and just getting absolutely so fucked up to you you know your face like we've got work to do we've got things to think about in the long term and we'll often, uh, you know, come back from a festival talking about the wider implications for it and all that kind of stuff, um, which is why it's really important to make sure that you work with people you get on with very well um, <laughs> and also take advantage of the opportunities you get to just go to a fucking gig and buy some merch and support bands properly like everyone should do. Yeah, merch mm -hmm. is good. Merch is good. And if you're lucky like us to get on guest lists, you better be buying merch. <laughs> you got to support those bands uh final question then scott Situmpel asks <laughs> do you believe in ufos or bigfoot i went to roswell and i okay. <laughs> i went to i think i said this before i went to roswell which i was so excited about because i watched the really cheesy teen drama roswell high it's not cheesy when i was growing it's up like, did you like roswell yeah. high too <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, three siblings who come out of a spacecraft. Mm -hmm. It's great. Yeah. So, yeah, went to Roswell, went to Roswell UFO Museum, and I'm one of those people that goes to museums and reads the shit out of them, which is annoying for most people who just want to look at something and move on. So I read the shit out of the UFO Museum. Um, I would if that, though. Like, some yeah. museums are a bit like, eh, do I really care about that bit? I mean, I would care about everything in there. Yeah, exactly. And it wasn't the kind of museum that had, like, loads and loads of artefacts in it. A lot of it was reading. Anyway... Mm. something happened something happened i don't necessarily know if it was ufos and i think you'd be really hard 
pushed to make a rational case for UFOs slash aliens. But there was definitely some kind of government cover-up. Like, a lot of people involved with the Roswell stuff died in mysterious circumstances. I am, like, 100% convinced, man. I mean, the (laughs) X-Files just convinced me. Like, there are so many things that the X-Files just told. I mean, the X-Files convinced you of UFOs, the X-Files convinced you of a lot of shit, quite frankly. (laughs) But there are so many things that the X-Files, like you know pre like predicted you know like the simpsons is predicted stuff oh, like as Donald well. Trump. yeah there's loads of stuff if you watch the x-files back you're like what did it not oh that donald trump thing was a incorrect bit of clever memeage that someone manipulated that never happens oh no. that sucks I thought but it did. there was that not one the with that lisa being like the environmentalist as well yeah there's that one as well so wait the Simp- so we're saying the Simpsons have provided <laughs> compelling evidence for aliens. I think no, something X-Files. happened at Roswell. <laughs> I think something happened at Roswell and I think there was some kind of government cover-up and whether it was some something about the military or military... You could be listening military. in right now and this could be your last podcast now. Why would you say that? <laughs> something about the military and military equipment, official secrets, somebody Yeah, they're using something. alien DNA. There was some, <laughs> some... Some shit went down there, but I don't know what it was. Also, I think... What about Bigfoot? I've not finished on Aliens. Also, there's like tons more space out there and tons of galaxies. Oh, there's got to be... We can't be the only people in things. There's got to be like microbes. It seems almost arrogant to me to think we're the only people in the universe. Have you seen how big the fucking universe is? It's massive. I don't necessarily believe that UFOs have come to Earth and just happen to pick up drunk mental rednecks to experiment <laughs> on who seem to be the only people who have ever seen an alien. They give them anal probes. It says so in South Park. Uh, yeah, that's, that's an have OG you seen, reference. Have you seen the... <laughs> I think that's the first ever episode of South Park. Carmen gets an yeah, anal Yeah, I'm probe. pretty sure that's the first one. Have you seen the like those cows that have been drained of all their blood though? That's in South Park That's too. a creepy one. That is a creepy one. Like, moo, 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 90s television shows have got it made. <laughs> moo, 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 moo. No, no love for Bigfoot? Um, I, I love the... I don't the know why finding, I picked these two out. I love, I love the finding Bigfoot show. Have you seen that? No. And like, there's a way that you knock on trees and then book Bigfoot will like reply. Really? Yeah, it's Should like a way of calling. Park? It's like a way of calling Bigfoot. It's just like... Hyde Park? It's yeah, It's the best thing ever. You need, to, you need to watch more like Discovery Channel like in the middle of the night and like History Channel in the middle of the night because it's the best. So if we went down to Hyde Park one lunchtime, could you tap on a tree and call Bigfoot? Yeah. Okay, we should do that then. Yeah, <laughs> I don't believe in him, but if you do that, then it will change my mind. <laughs> Again, the X-Files knew that Bigfoot exists. <laughs> Right. Melon, you've not given your opinion. On Bigfoot, it's bollocks. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's a uh, you could probably make some kind of reasoned argument that there's Somebody so much undiscovered. You know, there's still a lot of rainforest out there that we haven't quite gone into and ruined. Uh, and there's a lot of sea out there that we haven't gone into. So I'm sure there's interesting stuff out there we haven't discovered yet. But again, um, the people that tend to come out insisting they've had first-hand experience with these things don't tend to come across as the most reliable people to me so no, i don't think bigfoot exists does it count if you've seen a bear well no because that's a real animal oh i've seen one of them yeah me, me too, too. <laughs> i've been to whip snakes <laughs> <laughs> so there you go we've solved the mysteries of the world what about the Loch Ness monster mm. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> quite surprised by that breaking thought you just had. Because I was trying to remember that kids program. Obviously not. It would be long Did dead it? anyway. That kids Did you program about Nessie and you'll never find um, a Nessie in the zoo. Uh, um, family Ness. Yeah, the family Ness. Yeah. I had a family Ness sweatshirt. Ferociousness appears yeah. at once and grabs a man or two for lunch. No, but I did watch Around the Twist. That had Great show as well. Great Strange show but as True well. is a documentary ever, series. Ever felt, felt like this? And it was ex- it, it was investigating this stuff. Never heard of Strange but True. Yeah, you should you should look it up on YouTube. Maybe You're gonna have I us round to your house for a supernatural evening. We're all gonna sit and watch ninety shows the and then go out and watch music well. together like <laughs> <Yay>. friends. <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, that's it for this week. I've had enough. Uh, <laughs> thanks, everybody, for joining us. Um, next week, we've got a guest presenter on the show. Uh, Ollie Winneberg from BBC Music is going to be on the show. We're going to be talking about all the greatest things in the world of heavy metal. Um, and we're going to be unveiling and discussing our brand new issue as well. So we will see <gasps> you then. Enjoy it's cake an and fish, everybody. Enjoy cake and fish, but not together. Bye. Unless you're mental. Bye. 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 Bye.